Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Awesome. Well, we're going to come and share the Word of God. Um, pretty significant changes in our nation took place during the course of this week, and we'll speak into that a little bit shortly, um, touch on that. But just wanted to let you know, um, this Saturday at uh, 2 p.m., uh, the Warilla Baptist Church are, are having an open day for their facility. Um, just at uh, the back of the Warilla Grove there. Uh, I had an opportunity to go there during the week and uh, just so encouraged by what they're doing there. So I did want to encourage you, wanted to go along and be a part of that to support Lloyd and uh, Clara in their endeavours there in the church. It's just awesome. What a, what a fantastic facility, amen? Rachel and I would be there, but we're going to a, another church opening in Batemans Bay. They're opening up everywhere. Hallelujah. And it just happens to be at the same day at the same time, Saturday the 25th at 2pm. Um, otherwise, we would have been there. But I uh, do encourage you with that to support them. They're doing an amazing work in our city and uh, just love what they're uh, being called to. Um, just wanted to let you know as well, uh, Dean Picarillo um, and, and Ash um, are away at the moment on a bit of a break. Uh, but he wanted, us, I wanted to let you know that we're doing our first working bee on the 9th of December. And um, our first working bee is about... You know, is about um, getting um, started on the outdoor area. Um, it sounds like the, uh, the builders are pretty close to finishing all the constructural work uh, by the end of this month. That's some of the discussion that we've had. Uh, but 9th of December, we'll get it out on Facebook there just to encourage people just to come along on the day. We've got some steps to build a few things like that. Um, I won't get to play with any power tools, I'm sure, but <clears throat> that's all right. I'll be the manager of morale. That's my job. I walk around and make people feel good about themselves. Hallelujah. That's an important job. Some of you are going, yeah, right. No, it is an important job. All right. So I just wanted to welcome you here this morning. If you are uh, visiting today, I uh, just want to welcome you. Thank you for making a great choice to come and worship with us this morning. Um, over the last eight weeks or so, we've been uh, digging into the Beatitudes. We've uh, been doing a series called uh, The Beatitudes based on the Sermon of the Mount that Jesus taught. And uh, we've been looking at the life attitudes, attitudes that Jesus spoke about. And uh, we've discovered that um, our attitudes in life can either release us into the future that God has for us or potentially limit us. Amen. Um, our good attitudes will propel us forward. Our bad attitudes will hold us back. And we've been looking at um, the Beatitudes and the different attitudes that God's calling us to apply to our lives. And what we've loved about this is that Jesus calls us to live a life with attitude. Amen? So you can have attitude today all you want, and God's not upset with that. Amen? So last uh, couple of weeks ago, we looked at the attitude of being a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, uh, for they shall be called sons of God. And uh, we looked at a premise for that, and uh, just the one-liner that we had without one of our main points was this thought, where the peace of God prevails, the presence of God entails. Amen? We've been called to be peacemakers wherever we go, whether it be at home, whether it be in our uh, community, uh, in our workplace, etc. God's called us to be peacemakers, to have an attitude of a peacemaker. And this morning, I just felt to, to, to round off the series this morning, and it was interesting, um, this, this, um, this um, uh, last attitude uh, that Jesus calls us to, and it's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. This is the last part of the Beatitudes, and listen to what it says. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, 
for theirs will be the kingdom of God. Smile at me this morning. We're going to learn about persecution this morning and um, bring some, some light to what's transpired during the course of the week. Um, last, last couple of weeks ago, we, we did the SCV version. That's the Shane Cook version. I want to share it with you this morning. This is my version of Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Shane Cook version says this, Happy are those that are persecuted for standing for truth, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Amen. So definition of persecution, this is, the, this is the, uh, the, the, the dictionary definition. Then I want to bring more of a biblical understanding of what it means to be persecuted. Amen. Uh, persecute means to subject someone to hostility uh, and ill treatment, especially because of their race or political or religious beliefs. The definition, though, the biblical definition of the word persecution that we find throughout the New Testament, a, di- a biblical word conveys a, a broader sense of opposition. The, the primary word is dioko. It means to pursue, to chase, to drive away. The aim of persecution is to drive away the gospel, Jesus, and those who follow him. That's the biblical interpretation of the word persecution. And I wanted just to bring a few thoughts to your attention today. Um, We, at the moment, aren't facing too much persecution, are we? You know, we haven't had to hire security guards to be at our front doors or people to be in the car park and stuff like that. Uh, We live in in quite a relatively persecution-free nation for the moment. But today across our planet, there are, there are many, many nations. In fact, there's a, there's a, 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 a watch list of nations um, overseen by um, Open Doors, which is a ministry to the persecuted church. It has a list of 50 nations um, that, that is, 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 is um, watching and observing the persecution of Christians within those 50 nations. Um, how many Christians do you think are a representative in those 50 nations across the world today that are experiencing um, somewhat to severe persecution. Any idea how many, how many there would be? That's close to how many are killed each year. Good one. Anybody else? There's a bit of interactive this morning. Um, try this figure. 250, 215 million Christians across the globe are experiencing high levels of persecution for their faith. 215, it's not one of those happy old, ew, hallelujah, messages this morning, but I think it's very important for us to hear about it today. Amen? Anyone out there with me? Just say yes, just for the fun of it. Amen. So across the globe, 50 nations where there's, um, there's somewhat to severe persecution, 250 million believers right now are suffering under the hands of persecution. Over the last number of years, there have been repeated reports that Christians seeking asylum in refugee camps ran by the UN have been refused entry because of their Christian faith. Multiple reports across the globe where the United Nations have been running refugee camps have restricted or refused entry to people based upon their Christianity. They say across the globe today, every year it's estimate that 90,000 Christians are killed for their faith. When you do the math for that, a Christian is murdered for their faith every six minutes. 
And when I've finished speaking, that will represent the death of five Christians today. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. Listen to these thoughts this morning. For many years, we presume that the persecution of Christians was something that happens in the Middle Eastern nations. But we're continually hearing reports of Christians being persecuted for their faith, even in Western nations. We would call it soft persecution. Can I bring to your attention just a few examples this morning of what's taking place in the United Kingdom and some of the things that are starting to transpire in our nation as well. Is that all right with you? Amen. The first picture, if I can. Mike Overd, together with another street preacher in the UK, Michael Stockwell, have been convicted of religiously aggravated public order offence following their arrest in July 2016. He and his friends had been preaching in a Bristol shopping area and responding questions, objections and abuse. There's video ev evidence showing Mike being forcibly removed from the area by a police officer because he was preaching the gospel. Astounding. Felix uh, Nogel is a Christian student. This was in the news probably a few months ago. Christian Nogel is a, is a Christian student who's been removed from his university social work course after he made comments on his personal Facebook page in support of biblical teaching on marriage and sexual ethics. Felix was told that by posting his comments on Facebook, he may have caused offence to some individuals and has transgressed boundaries which are not deemed appropriate for someone entering the social work profession. I uh, read the judgment's comment um, to this gentleman, um, and it was this. You're entitled to have your opinion, but you're not entitled to share it. Sound like a bit of persecution? Let's continue. If you get bored, just zone out. Uh, a Christian nurse, a nursery nurse, Sarah Mabai, was dismissed from gross misconduct uh, from her job in London's children's nursery after saying that marriage is between one man and one woman. I don't know if you remember, but during the heat of the marriage debate, there was a young lass who worked for, a, I think it was a childcare um, company, or it might have been a company that, that ran parties for, for parents with children. Um, she was sacked from her job, her employer employer sacked her because she put on her Facebook account her view on traditional marriage. Remember that? That was in Canberra. Another one, Dr. Scott, uh, Scott, um, uh, Dr. Scott, a Christian GP from Margate, Kent in the UK, with 28 years experience as a doctor, has been issued recently with an official warning and is currently under investigation by the General Medical Council following a complaint that he shared his faith with a patient during a consultation. <laughs> in Australia, would you like to hear? In Australia, Cretan, uh, Cretan, it's a new word for Christian, bro. <laughs> Christian preachers were summoned to Tasmania's anti-discrimination tribunal for preaching their faith stand on traditional marriage and homosexuality. Hobart pastor, Hobart pastor uh, Campbell Markham and street preacher David Gee from Hobart's Cornerstone Church were denounced by an atheist offended by, among other things, Markham quoting a verse from the Bible. Quoting a verse 
brought up before the tribunal. Queensland's Education Department has now warned schools across Queensland uh, letting students praise Jesus in the, in, the, in, the, in the playground is wrong. It gives examples of what students must not say in the playground, such as knowing about Jesus is a very important thing, or God, please help us to use our knowledge to help others, nor may students hand out Christmas cards or decorations. <laughs> I'm sharing this with you for a purpose this morning. We need to go into the future with our eyes wide open and full of the faith and the hope that God has. Amen? This week saw one of the biggest changes to our nation and its future. 61% of Australians um, voted to change our Marriage Act uh, to between two people. 36% of Australians voted no. That's uh, 4 million people. It's quite a few. Today I'm officially a part of a minority. I don't think you get it. I don't mean the part of the four million minority. I'm a part of the minority that has the, uh, will have the legal right to share my biblical conviction on marriage, on homosexuality, without fear of being persecuted. But we can't say that for everybody in the building this morning. That's why I'm a part of a small elite group across the country today. I say that with all respect, but I think we need to be aware of what's going on. Recently, um, as of about three weeks ago, our Prime Minister has been quoted as saying that freedom of religion and uh, freedom of speech is more important to him than same-sex marriage. Okay? Good comment, good call. My question is now, why is there discussion in the Parliament that is now saying that the discussion around freedom of religion and freedom of speech is going to be put off until 2018. Let me continue. It's not one of those hallelujah, glory to God, I feel the goosebumps going down the back of my head messages. <laughs> you and I, people could be fired or prosecuted for sharing your convictions on biblical marriage in the near future, even... Now it's disturbing to hear so many people say this. Am I allowed to say that? Have you heard people say that? Am I allowed to say that? Crazy stuff. The whole marriage debate has been around equal love, but we're discovering that more and more it's about freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Penny Wong was quoted this week saying, Australians are sick of the bigotry and the prejudice, and it's time to put an end to it, i.e. code for this, code for the end of freedom of religion and freedom of speech. <laughs> oh, text message from Alan Mai. How nice is that? <laughs> 9.45, thinking of us. Just want to read something to you. It's an article this morning. It's the... Uh, it's the West Australian backbencher, Andrew Hastie, and uh, there's a discussion at the moment. Listen, listen to what he says. I share deep concerns with other fellow conservative members that we're not going to protect parents' rights to raise and educate their children in conformity with their moral and religious convictions. 
I'm also worried for a lot of faith-based independent schools and their ability to teach about marriage in accordance with their religious traditions. This morning, I, I really want to encourage us. This is not um, intended to make us fearful or anything like that this morning, but we need to be praying into our future, amen? Because there are groups of people that would like nothing more to take Christ out of every um, um, learning and educational institution across the, across the nation. There are people out there that are pushing as hard as they can to see any reference to um, um, biblical values eradicated and moved, any sense of the traditional view of marriage destroyed across the life of our nation. And we need to be aware of that. That is persecution. So just this morning as we, uh, we start to finish today, what, what does Scripture teach about persecution? What did Jesus teach about persecution? Wanted to share, come on, smile at me. It's not all doom and gloom. But what did he teach about it? In John chapter 15, verse 20, he says this, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. John chapter 15, verse 11 to 12, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Persecution for our Christian faith, the thought is this, it will be inevitable. They persecuted Jesus, they'll also persecute us. And if you don't think the persecution has begun, listen to these thoughts this morning. Because I believe in traditional marriage, I am called a bigot. Because I believe homosexuality is morally wrong, I am called a homophobic and a hater. Because I believe God created male and female, I am called a transphobic. Because I believe Islam is incompatible with our Western Christian values, I am called an Islamophobic. Because I have a principled opinion to asylum seekers, I am called a xenophobic. The list goes on and on and on, but the truth today, you might have thought that we're not living under persecution, but we are. And I believe that we need to be aware of what's going on in our nation and praying into that and being the voice that God has called us to be. So how do we respond to it? How do we respond to persecution? Exactly the same way that Jesus did with truth and with love. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you, that you may be sons of Father in heaven. Listen to this thought this morning. Jesus' prevailing attitude during his persecution was one of love, and his followers, our attitude as his followers, must be one of love, not compromising truth, but lovingly declare it. Hallelujah. It's a time for the church to stand up, not to sit down. Oh, three of us over here. Glory to God. Speaking to the choir. Come on, it's a time for us to stand up and to speak the truth in love. Hallelujah. To stand. You know, we could be feeling overwhelmed and Christians just thinking, what's going on? And, and I just think, bring it on. I think, bring it on. Because any time the church faces persecution, it rises up. So therefore, bring it on in Jesus' name. Deal, I'm the only one getting excited about that thought today. Hallelujah. If God is for us, who can be against us? Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. Hallelujah. Jesus said, when you're facing persecution, you may not know what to say, but don't worry in those moments, I will tell you what to say. Hallelujah. 
So a few little thoughts this morning. Even though there is the sense of persecution happening in our nation today, and even though there's a certain um, um, uncertainty about our religious freedoms and our religious rights leading into 2018, I want to encourage us in three little thoughts. The first thing is that we need to stand. Hallelujah. It says it in uh, Galatians chapter 6. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Hallelujah. Then it goes on to say, listen to this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Our fight is not towards people. We don't hate homosexual people. We love everybody. Amen. We're not against people like that. We're not out to hate them. In fact, we're called to love them. But it's the spirit working in them and through them that we're against. Amen. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness, age, against spiritual hosts of weakness. And it goes on in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all so stand. So the first thing is we must continue to stand for truth. Don't compromise truth. I know how easy it is to allow just truth to come in. And well, you know, maybe our, maybe our biblical stance on marriage is wrong and it's, and it's discriminatory and it's, it's bigotry. And well, you know, the problem with that is this. I didn't make up marriage, God did. So people shouldn't have a problem with me or with you. They should have a problem with him because he created marriage. He ordained marriage. So the first thing is we must stand true to our biblical values. Don't compromise them. Don't water them down. Let us be, as a church, continue to be strong in our values. <laughs> I think I'm preaching a whole lot better than you go, amen. <laughs> Second thing is this. Like it says in, in, in Ephesians, we need to pray. We need to pray, and we need to pray especially for missionaries in the political arena. That is my prayer as a pastor. If I wasn't a pastor, I'd probably do my best to be a politician. Because <laughs> I just see the potential of the politicians right now in that parliament. They are deciding the future of our freedom of religion, our freedom of speech. We need more people in politics. We need more young men, more young women, more older men, more older women putting up their hand and pursuing a political career. Hallelujah. Yeah, I was thinking, Marty, last night, and I don't know what to do with it. I, I, I struggle with this thought all the time. Maybe God, maybe God doesn't call people into the realm of politics. Maybe he doesn't. And then I think, but so many of the decisions that affect our Christian heritage and our history are affected by the people in the political arena. And then I'm thinking over the years, you know, we've been pastors for 20, 20 years, a few weeks ago. And I was thinking, you know, I, I can't count on one hand how many Christian politicians I can remember over that time. Probably three. And I just think, this is crazy. We need to pray for people to rise up and to stand up and to take their place. So that when people come and say that we're going to erode people's, people's um, um, freedom of religion, um, you're a graphic designer, one of the best that I know. You know, Michael should have the freedom 
to be a conscientious objector. That if there's, there's a, a lifestyle that he has a deep conviction, um, not against, but he has a, a deep conviction about that lifestyle, he should be able to say that, no, I, I'm not going to go and service that person or do that job. But that's what we could be facing. That's why we need more people. So the first thing is stand. The second thing is pray. And the third thing, this is so, so important as well. The third thing is we need to do all that we can to make the local church as strong as it possibly can be. Hey! We need to do all that we can to make sure that whatever faith congregation that we are a part of, that we are investing our time and our treasure and our talent in it to make it all that God has intended it to be. Not to be a dying light, to be a bright light, a growing light, an ever-increasing light in the church, into the community. Amen. Hallelujah. To stand. May we pray. May we do all that we can to make his local church all that he's called it to be. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Your church has and always will prevail. God, we thank you this morning that you have an eternal plan a plan that is far beyond our comprehension or imagination. We thank you, Lord, for your church, that you are calling to be salt and to be light. Lord, today, right now, we just lift our parliament to you. We pray in Jesus' name that there would be a multitude that would stand for freedom of religion and freedom of speech across our country. May our country not digress in these issues and in these matters, Lord. May we, your people, continue to have the right to express our freedoms and to express our faith without fear of persecution, without fear of litigation. But Lord, in all things we know that you are faithful to lead us and to guide us. So today, in Jesus' name, we just thank you May the church continue to grow. May it continue to be strong in this nation. May the voice of the church be heard as never before, Lord, even in this time. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.